The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month on the Compliance Life, I visit with Natalia Shaheda. Natalia is currently the Chief Compliance Officer at ABB Lummis. For the next four podcast episodes, we'll take a look at Natalia, her unique background, college and law school. She comes from a multicultural, multilingual family from birth and in marriage, and is always doing something professionally that allows her to see the world and carry her journey forward. She moves to her early professional career and into the corporate world and what prepared her. She began her career on Capitol Hill in Washington and later moved to private practice and then to the corporate world and see how that informed her views around compliance. In episode three, she moves to the CCO chair at some very high-profile companies that were under significant government scrutiny and talks about the unique experiences, joining corporate families, and how the beauty of travel and connection across the globe has helped inform her global view of what a compliance program not only should be, what a compliance program can be. In episode four, we take a look at some of the key lessons learned uh, that she has had, where the CCO chair may be headed into 2025 and beyond, and what culture really means in an organization. This is a fascinating series on the compliance life. Natalia is a great friend and a great friend of the compliance profession. I know you'll enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening to this month's The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for part two or episode two in this month's The Compliance Life. I have with me uh, back uh, Natalia Shadia. And Natalia, first of all, welcome back. Thanks so much, Tom. And today we're going to talk a little bit about your early in-house experience um, at Shell. I had the opportunity to um, interact with your colleagues. I was with an oilfield service company, and we negotiated contracts and otherwise worked with a lot of your colleagues, not in compliance. Um, and so I was able to make some observations about Shell, but I really wanted to, to focus on your experience. And one of my observations, or a couple were, well, number one, the talent at Shell was really top-notch. And that was uh, in the United States, in Europe kind of wherever I negotiated with uh, someone across the table or across the phone with Shell, it was top-notch talent. But the other thing that seemed to happen was the people I would deal with over the course of two or three years, they rotated. And there seemed to be some sort of rotation program that gave a Shell attorney, if I guess if they so desired, the opportunity to see different parts of the business. And if you felt those observations are correct, um, I was wondering if you might be able to comment on those. Tom, absolutely. Total agreement with your perspective. I would say Shell being my first in-house experience coming out of private practice, I could not have imagined a richer opportunity. And it really taught me the first conscious perspective of corporate inclusion. Shell taught me most importantly, the criticality of knowing your business 
client through and through to be able to deliver the quality of service that we aspire to in whatever we're you know field we're dedicated to you know specific for us in, in the compliance space and i i came in house because i don't think i had self articulated how much i enjoyed understanding my clients business but shell really proved that to me and through the inclusion practice you describe, Shell had a very disciplined approach of career development for the professionals at Shell. And that taught me the extraordinary importance of knowing the business and of building consensus. Through that professional mobility, you have very sophisticated professionals whom have had diverse experiences and can inclusively explain the strategy, the trajectory, the business needs. And it was an incredible opportunity as a first timer in-house to learn not just business speak, but business strategy, business culture, enterprise culture on a scale and platform as large as Shell. I think that those two years I was there from 2007 to 2009, frankly, continue to pay me personal and professional dividends of the learnings that I had in that environment still today. Uh, one other observation about Shell was I was interested in intellectual property rights at one point, and I went to an IP conference, and there was a speaker from the Shell Tax Organization. And I first wondered, what on earth is someone from tax doing speaking to IP lawyers? And he got up there and said, you need me, and you don't need me tomorrow. You need me now. And the whole point of his talk was tax is an integral part of any transaction and that at Shell, tax was uh, had a seat at the table. Where I worked, the tax guys were in the basement. Nobody called them uh, unless it was a disaster. And then they were trying to fix a contract, in my case, that couldn't be fixed because it was already signed. But it really opened my eyes to having a wide variety of corporate disciplines on every project, whether it's a, a contract, whether it's intellectual property issue, or whether it's a compliance issue. And I wondered if that observation is also correct. 100%. In fact, a shout out to my dear friend and, and former colleague, Mel Chavez. At the time I joined Shell, the customs team sat in tax um, because customs was viewed as a duty consequence regulatory area. And it was through an extraordinary partnership with tax and Mel and Jerry Suter and others from the team where we started to break down the silos that I think in, are a bit inherent in coming from a private law practice where you say, okay, I'm an export control lawyer, or I'm a sanctions lawyer, and I am an FCPA lawyer, et cetera. In Shell, we needed to meld. We needed to come together looking at trade at that time, international cross-border business as a, you know, in a holistic, inclusive way. And tax is the perfect example. It taught me about the criticality of transfer price on, you know, as a quotient, as a critical quotient of customs value of, of trade compliance overall. Um, and so it's a perfect, perfect example that I too experienced that opened my mind, my eyes in so many ways that then going next to Weatherford and thinking about crafting, we had a greenfield space to build an international trade compliance program and thinking about the criticality of the partnership with tax and with so many other critical functions as we went, many of us in Weatherford and the Weatherford team going about um, creating the, that next generation um, compliance program. 
The other thing that that struck me about your experience was you went from private practice to literally one of the world's biggest corporations, certainly multinational. I don't know how many countries they're in, but I'm sure it's well over 100. And how was the experience? Were you simply a very, very little cog? Were you able to get this holistic experience where you at least had an understanding of, of the bigger picture? And how was that working? Or how did Shell really keep uh, people so engaged, uh, even though there were, I don't know how many thousand employees, but a lot? Well, I, I repeat, I could not have been more fortunate. I came into Shell at an organizational time when credit has to be given to extraordinary colleagues around the compliance table, Mary Lisa Roche in in particular, the trade compliance program in 2007 had been in existence at Shell for over a decade. So I had the privilege of coming into a very mature multinational organization at a, a point of maturity in that particular facet of the compliance discussion. It was also very advanced in other facets of compliance. The Shell Antitrust Compliance Program is world renowned and world recognized. And at that time in 07, Shell was then maturing and evolving its its anti-corruption compliance program as well as an outset of of the Panalpina matter that touched many companies in in the Houston and, and oil and gas area. So Look, if 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 you're looking for sort of lessons learned, I couldn't again emphasize enough how grateful I was to make a first entree into the in-house experience in a mature organization that already had an exceedingly strong foundation, leaders supported, you know, all the way all the way to the boot on the ground of what compliance and integrity meant in terms of the shell value proposition such that it was just a beautiful experience to come in, learn about sophisticated enterprise culture, um, so as to be able to add value sort of to a train that was already running on a journey at that time. You know, your experience really uh, brings up for me uh, one thing I don't think we think enough about, and you've talked about what you learned and how I hope you'll be able to talk about how you've been able to implement that in some of your other positions, but also really what a company can do to um, inform a new generation of lawyers, trade compliance professionals, tax professionals, whatever it may be. And I don't think we talk enough about how companies can actually be mentors themselves. You've you've named several individuals that uh, helped you in your journey, but it really struck me that companies have a role in in really mentoring our next generation and and not just yourself or myself, but really – really impressed that uh, uh, the way Shell handled all of that. For sure. I think it, there's the opportunity for each one of us, I think especially for those of us who have chosen a, a vocation in a particular discipline area, to recognize the value of opportunity we have in whatever is our defined community, in whatever is our defined organization, to say, look, how can I pay it forward for my fellow colleagues and teach them about the discipline area I come from, and in turn, humbly um, what can I learn from them so that I can be a better partner? And I think that's a key part of the compliance journey, whatever facet of compliance you represent, whatever facet of the law you represent. And we've seen over the course of the last two decades, a real evolution, I think, particularly for in-house practitioners on the value add of incorporating compliance into your knowledge set. No matter whether you're a litigator, no matter whether you're a contract's um, professional, but knowing about aspects 
of compliance and integrity help all of us do a better, you know, more comprehensive job for the company that we're representing. And so, um, you know, I hope that we all continue to be minded that way and continue to grow and evolve the profession that we're we're putting out practitioners who are more well-rounded um, by virtue of our collective shared experiences. Natalia, we are near the end of our episode, but I want to tease the next episode by asking you the following question. You've moved from Shell, and I want to say from a frying pan into a fire, but into one of the most challenging positions that I can recall of, a, of a, any compliance professional could be in. So I was wondering if you could just tease us with a little bit about the challenges you stepped into when you became a chief compliance officer. Sure. So my first chief compliance officer role, I got in in July of 2014. Um, thanks to the extraordinary mentorship of Billy Jacobson, I had been with Weatherford almost, um, I guess, five years. And so had risen the ranks through trade and, and ethics to take on the role just six months or so after we closed a major enforcement case, just as we were welcoming a post-settlement monitor on the ethics side and a trade compliance auditor on the trade side of that resolution. And boy, was it an exciting three years ahead. So with that, uh, we are at the end of uh, our time for this episode, but I greatly look forward to hearing that story in uh, episode three. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode with Scott Sullivan in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.